to One Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. See, when I get up, then everybody goes quiet. Y'all are chatting until I get up. Good morning, everybody. Happy Memorial Day today, and uh, great to be together. Who has the day off work tomorrow? Who does not have the day off work tomorrow? If you don't have the day off of work tomorrow, just punch one of those people that do right now. Get a little aggression out this morning. Well, I'm so glad that we are together today. Uh, What an honor, what a privilege, what a blessing it is any time that we get to be together. And uh, it's it's a joy. And um, I'm so glad to be here on Memorial Day Sunday. You know, Memorial Day is one of those uh, weeks during the year, uh, Kino knows what I'm talking about, that as a pastor, you're like, we'll see who's, who's around. And uh, so I'm so glad. I know there's people out of town, but everybody is here this morning. And uh, I'm so, I say that half jokingly because I always hate it when people say, where, where is everybody? Have you ever had somebody say that to you? Where is everybody, Nate? I always say, what am I, Nobody? So everybody's here. So we're so glad you're here. And uh, I, I mentioned my friend Kino over here, and I just have to give a shout out to Kino and Megan Paraiso. Was that all right? I don't, I don't know if I ever say your last name, but Kino and Megan uh, were friends, of, or still are friends of ours. We're friends of ours. <laughs> Former friends, kind of like Ron was talking about, one of those sorts of things. No, uh, friends of ours, uh, Kino and I got to serve on team together at Wave Church in Virginia Beach a decade ago. And um, so they went on and have planted Wave Church in Richmond. And so leading an incredible church there. If you're ever in Richmond, uh, what's the website? Wave, R-E-R-V-A, R-V-A.com. Uh, stop in, or if you have friends in Richmond, but uh, send them to Wave Richmond. But uh, Kino and Megan, what a what a blessing it is to have you guys here with us this morning, and uh, we're just glad to all be together. If you have your Bible, why don't you grab it with me and turn to the book of Joshua, the book of Joshua, uh, chapter six. Who remembers what we talked about two weeks ago? Somebody like, I do, but I'm not saying it. Yes, good, just checking, just checking. Uh, Well, uh, we're going to pick back up in the book of Joshua today. Uh, While you're turning there, let me just mention a couple of things uh, coming up. Uh, The first thing is this, uh, next Sunday we're going to be back together. It's a back-to-back gathering Sunday. Good, I'm glad there's excitement about that. We're going to be back here uh, next Sunday, so don't show up at House Church next Sunday. Show up back here uh, next Sunday, and we're going to have a special Sunday uh, next Sunday because we're going to have a tag team preach, okay? And uh, so we've got three people, uh, incredible leaders in our church that are going to be bringing a wonderful message next Sunday. I'm not going to tell you who it is. You just got to come and and find out, okay? Uh, But next Sunday, we're going to have a tag team preach in the morning. You won't want to miss it. And then also next Sunday evening, we have our very first Power Prayer Rally, okay? Power Prayer Rally. Who's excited about that? Yes? Uh, Power Prayer Rally, that is, if you remember, that's our uh, HIT workout of prayer. It's a HIP prayer meeting, high-intensity interval prayer meeting, okay? And so we're going to be gathering together next Sunday evening at 6 o'clock on the back parking lot of our future uh, property. It is our property currently, but we're going to move into it in the future. So we're going to Meet up in that back parking lot next Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. And I really want to encourage everybody to come. You may be the kind of person that whenever there's a prayer meeting, you go, I don't do prayer meetings. Well, this is a prayer meeting for people that don't go to prayer meetings, okay? Uh, It's not going to be an all-night prayer meeting. It's going to be a quick, you know, maybe 30 minutes. We're going to keep it moving, kind of a prayer meeting, okay? If you want to stay and just linger in solitude, you're welcome to do that afterwards. But we're going to... We're going to meet and pray, and it's just going to be an awesome time. So I hope you'll plan to join us uh, next Sunday. Um, All right, well, the book of Joshua, chapter 6, and um, I I should mention this, of course, it's Memorial Day weekend, um, and, you know, we always uh, should be grateful for 
the, the wonderful nation that we live in. But on this weekend in particular, uh, this is a, a moment that we as a nation remember and recognize and honor the people who have given their lives, that have shed their blood, given the ultimate sacrifice for the freedom that we enjoy and for the, the benefit and the prosperity that we uh, enjoy. And so we're so grateful for that. And I saw one person kind of put their hands together gently. So we can all put our hands together for that. That's a good thing. And uh, even, even uh, of course, infinitely more important than that, we are celebrating uh, the one who gave his life, the one who shed his blood, uh, the one who has uh, purchased our freedom with his blood, and that is Jesus Christ. And so we're looking at the book of Joshua in this series that we are calling Possessing the Land. And uh, we are talking about what does it mean uh, to take hold of the purpose of God, to take hold of the plan of God for our lives. I've told you uh, in, in the past that a lot of people know what they're saved from, but they don't know what they're saved for. They're, they're saved, but kind of halfway saved. They're not enjoying uh, what David called the joy of my salvation. And when God saved us, he didn't just bring us out of bondage to sin, although if that was all he did, that would be uh, enough that we should celebrate him for that. But he didn't just bring us out of the old life. He's brought us into the new life. Now, the, the question is, are we there yet? Uh, not fully. We're not fully there yet. Uh, but we are moving into everything that God has for us. And I'm not talking about a, a piece of property. I'm talking about a spiritual place in our hearts. And that's what we're looking at in the book of Joshua. We're talking about uh, how do we move into the, the promises of God, the, the blessings of God in our lives. How many of you want everything that God has for you? Yeah? How many of you want like 30%? You're like, I'm good with 30%. No, I, I think we, we want everything that God has for us. And so we're looking at uh, this beautiful a book, the book of Joshua, and we're looking at how do we move into uh, the purpose of God, the plan of God. And so uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about moving in the miraculous, and we talked about uh, that reality that uh, God works miracles. God moves uh, supernaturally. We do what we can, but God does what we can't do. And so we talked about moving in the miraculous. Uh, two, two weeks ago, we talked about marking the next generation and the recognition that God's purpose for our lives is not just about what we possess, but about what we pass on to the next generation. Amen? And I love that in our church, that we've got a whole bunch of little kids in our church. Aren't you glad for that? I don't know if you realize there's some churches that don't have any of that. And, uh, you know, there's some churches, the youth group is 70 years old. You know what I'm saying? That's not us. Um, but even uh, equally important to natural children, we want to be a church that's marking the next generation spiritually, spiritual sons and daughters. That means this, that every one of us is called to make disciples. I don't know if you realize this, the church is not uh, one person or a couple of people that just are super fruitful spiritually. The church is called to be a reproducing family, and that's what God's called us to. So every one of us has the potential to mark the next generation. And today I want to pick back up in Joshua chapter 6, and I want to speak to you today about the sound of victory, the sound of victory. And the, the Bible says this in Joshua chapter 6. Uh, we'll read from verse 1 down to verse 5 this morning. You have a Bible this morning? Yeah. Awesome. Okay, Joshua chapter 6, verse 1. It says this, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went in and none came out. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king, and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war shall go all around the city once, this you shall do six days. And the, the seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpet. And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. 
Here, God is giving instructions to Israel on how they were to take possession of the first city in the promised land, the first place that they were going into take possession of. And here's what he says. I want you to walk around it six days, and I want you to walk around it uh, for six days silently. But then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around it six times, but the seventh time, I want you to shout. I I want you to release a sound. I I want there to be something that that lifts up, that, that changes the atmosphere. I I want you to release a sound, the sound of victory. And and I want you to notice what God says to Joshua. God says, see, I have given you the city. Now, here's the interesting thing. When you look at this passage and, and God says to Joshua, see, I've given you the city. How many of you know, if you looked in the natural, it would not look like God had given them the city. It didn't look like it. It says it was tightly shut up. Now, I don't know about you, but I would kind of think that if God said to me, I've given this to you, I would think that when I showed up, there would be a little more of a welcome, warm, welcome reception. You know what I'm saying? I don't know about you, but if God had told me, you're going to move in and I've given this place to you, I would think maybe there's kind of a red carpet that's going to be rolled out and kind of a nice welcome uh, banner hung over the gates of the city. But that is not the case. And that's true for every single one of us that oftentimes God tells us, I'm giving this to you. I have a promise for you. I have a plan. I have a purpose for your life. But when you look in the natural, it does not look like you have in the natural what God has said He is giving to you. I, I don't know about the children of Israel, but I think they, you know, they, they may have been surprised to walk up and see that it is still tightly shut up. Have you ever faced something tightly shut up? Securely shut up? Have you ever had something in your life where God says, I have this... Uh, job for you. I have this calling for you. I have this uh, plan and purpose for your life. And you say, thank you, Jesus, and you show up to receive it. And and all you do is hit a brick wall. Have you ever hit a brick wall? That's where they were. They were coming in. Here we are. We're here to take the land. And they hit a brick wall. It was tightly shut up. And, you know, the the same is true oftentimes in the the walk of faith. God makes a promise. God gives a a declaration. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your family. I'm going to, you know, I've got a a great purpose for your life. And you you show up thinking you're ready to receive the keys, and you hit that brick wall. And, And the Apostle Paul knew this when he said that we are to fight the good fight of faith. That we are to fight the good fight of faith, lay hold of eternal life. Or in the words of Jesus, Jesus said it this way, The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the casual take it by force. No, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, let me just qualify. We know he's not talking about physical violence towards people, and we know that in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul understood what Joshua did not, that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not a physical, natural battle, but there is a battle. There is a fight to our faith. In other words, if you want to move into the purpose of God, the plan of God, the promised land, the blessing that God has for you, uh, it's, it's not just going to get handed to you on a silver platter. It's, it's not just going to... The, the enemy armies did not just wait there. I mean, the, all of the ites. You know all of the ites? I, I mean, I, I would have expected all of the ites are just lined up, just clapping it up as I arrive, like, I'm here. I'm here. And, and oftentimes we think that that's the way that faith works, that, that we just kind of, you know, believe it and just move into it. But there is a fight to our faith. There, there is a taking hold of 
what God has promised for us, then I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what area of your life today is tightly shut up. It seems in the natural like there is no blessing. There is no breakthrough. Maybe there's an area in your life that when you look at it in the natural, you say, God, I'm not so sure you knew what you're talking about. Because I've looked and you've not given me the city. Or at least it doesn't look like you've given me the city. What area of your life today is tightly shut up? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's uh, an area in your finances, in your career. Maybe, maybe it's uh, uh, in your family. Maybe you're facing a shut-up situation in your family. I'm sorry, children. I know that's a bad word to say, shut-up or words. But maybe that's a, there's a shut-up situation in your family. Maybe God has told you there's a certain promise over your family, over your children. But you look at it, and today that promise looks shut-up. I have good news for you that just because it does not look like God has given it to you does not mean that God has not given it to you. It means this, that God is trying to strengthen you and shape you and form you so that you can be the kind of person who can take hold of what He has for you. How many of you know that people who get things that never have to work for them become spoiled brats? God doesn't have any spoiled brats for children. God loves us enough. He's given us every good and perfect gift, but He wants to grow us. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to stretch us and challenge us so that when we move into the plan and the purpose that He has for us, we are able to to take and able to possess and able to manage the good things that He has for us. You see, if God gave everything he had to you without a struggle, number one, there'd be no appreciation for it. Number two, you would not have the strength to care for what God has given to you. In fact, God said to the children of Israel in the book of Exodus, he said, I'm going to drive out the Amalekites and the Amalekites and the Aldeites. I'm going to drive them out before you little by little. And here's what he says. Because if I gave it all to you at once, you would not be able to govern this territory. You wouldn't have the strength for it. In other words, I'm going to grow you stronger so that you can manage what I have for you when I bring you into it. I'm so excited about the wonderful future that God has for our church. But let me tell you this. We're not just going to show up and the blessings of God just fall out of heaven. We're not just going to show up and somehow because we've opened up a new building, there's just going to be a move of the miraculous amongst us. Maybe that's disappointing. Maybe you're like, I thought that's what the building did. I thought that was the release of the purpose of God. No, God is strengthening us so that when we move into it, we are the kind of people that he's called us to be in order to accomplish what he's called us to accomplish. And here we see the children of Israel show up and it does not look like God has given to them what he has said that he will give to them. It looked very discouraging in the natural. It looked like, what is this, God, opposite day? This, you, you, you said, look, I've given you the city. I've looked, you, it doesn't look like you've given me the city, but I want you to notice what God said to Israel. Here's what God said to Israel. Israel, here's the instructions through Joshua. I want you to walk around it six times. I want you to walk around it six times. And when you walk around it six times, I want you to be silent. Anybody have a, a hard time just sometimes being silent? Some of us do. Some of us had a, have a heart. Some of you, you're like, six days silence? That sounds like heaven. Well, God told those people, shout as well, right? So some of us have to learn how to shout. Some of us have to learn how to be silent, okay? But God said, I want you to walk around it, and I want you to be quiet. Have you ever wondered why did God have Israel walk in silence for six days? What was he doing? Was it like there? 
you know, the, the city wasn't quite ready. They just got to wait a little longer. I want you to notice, I think there's a couple of things God was doing through that silent season. Number one, I think God was wanting them to recognize their total inability apart from God's help. God, God said, I want you to walk around this thing, this city, and I want you to take a long, hard look at the brick wall in front of you. I, I want you to look at it, and I have a, uh, <laughs> I have a, um, I just remembered a comedian on YouTube. Has anybody have you ever seen that comedian that says, look at it, look at it, look at it, okay, never mind. Um, uh, God was saying, I want you to see, I want you to see this uh, because I want you to recognize, I want you to come to the point in your own strength that you recognize your own total inadequacy to do what I've called you to do. And God said, I want you to just circle that thing and I want you to do it about a half a dozen times. I want you to do it six times. Now, I, I don't know if you are aware of this, but oftentimes in the Bible, the number six is considered the number of man. It represents the strength of man. I know there's a whole lot of kind of weirdness that you can get into around that. But I think what God was saying is, I want you to come to the place that you recognize the total inadequacy of your own ability. I want to bring you to the place where you just say, God, we can't do it. We can't do it. You see, God will oftentimes let you walk around the same mountain, the same problem, the same difficulty, the same opposition. He will let you walk around it a half a dozen times if that's what it takes for you to come to the place where you say, God, I can't do it. I can't do it. There's no way for me to do it. Israel was recognizing their own complete inadequacy to take hold of what God had called them to do. God wanted them to see the wall, but I think God also wanted them to see a second thing, and that is this. God wanted them to see the scarlet cord in the window. I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about a house of salvation, and we talked about Rahab, the harlot, who had uh, received the spies and put her faith in Jesus, and the instruction to her was, I want you to put a, a, a scarlet cord in the window which was a repetition of the, uh, of the salvation that Israel experienced in coming out of Egypt. And it was through marking her house with that scarlet cord, a picture of the blood of Jesus, that salvation would come to her house. And I think that God wanted Israel to walk around the wall six times, not only to see their own inadequacy, but also I believe that God wanted them to remember His covenant with them. He wanted them to remember that the same God that brought them out of Egypt as they painted the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of their house was the same God that was going to bring them into the promised land. They wanted to, God wanted them to see that scarlet cord and he wanted them to remember the blood that was painted upon their doorpost the night that they were delivered out of Egypt. Egypt. He wanted them to not only recognize their own inadequacy, he wanted them to remember his goodness to them. He wanted them to remember that God brought us out. He's going to bring us in. The Bible says it this way in the book of Revelation that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Why do we love to share testimonies? Why do we love to, to share stories? Because it builds faith. For where God is taking us, it's not just celebrating where we've been. We move in. And so God said, I want you to be silent, and I want you to walk around six times. But then God said, on the seventh day, I want you to shout. I want you to shout. I want you to blow the trumpets. The priests will blow the trumpets. And when the priests blow the trumpets, I want God's people to shout. Let's try that again. I'm gonna, you know, let's just say shout, okay? I know I'm warming you up a little bit today, but when, when they walked around the seventh time, God said, I want you to shout. Wow, that was good. For I have given you the city. I have given you the city. Now, here's what I want you to see is 
that is, uh, in essence, God was saying, I want you to go ahead and celebrate. I want you to go ahead and celebrate. I want you to blow the trumpets. I want you to lift up a shout. Now, if, if you were watching these people from within the city of Jericho, you would have looked and you would have thought, what are they doing celebrating on the outside of the city? What are they doing? Uh, they, have they gotten dizzy and disoriented and now they think they're on the inside of the wall? They're still on the outside of the wall. But God was saying, I want you to celebrate on the outside, just like you would if you were already on the inside. I want you to lift up a shout of praise for what I'm going to do, even before I've done it, simply because I've said it. Praise, or or the Bible uses the term praise to describe spiritual celebration of what God has done. That's what we do when we come together and we sing and we shout and we clap our hands. And, and, you know, someone may shout, hallelujah. So some of you think, wow, a little too much coffee this morning. No, that's not what that is. That that is praise. That is praise. And and you see, some of us may love the silence, and, and that's great. And some of us need to learn to be quiet at times. But some of us have to learn to praise. Some of us have to, have to learn to shout because we'll never move into what God has for us if we can never do what God has called us to do. Now, some people may say, that's not my personality. I'm quiet. I'm reserved. And I have to say, first of all, I'm so glad that not everybody is an extrovert. Aren't we so glad? Uh, how horrific would the world be if everybody had to talk all the time? And so if you, are a, uh, if you are an introvert, this is not a message, or if you are not a loud person, this is not a message saying that that's a bad thing to be, but it is a message to say that we have to, uh, we, we have to give to God what God asks of us. Uh, and again and again throughout the Bible, the Scripture tells us exactly what God is looking for in praise and worship. I've told you about the time that for several years I was buying my wife Gerbera daisies because I thought she liked Gerbera daisies. She was always very polite when I brought home a bouquet of daisies. And then one day my sister-in-law said to Justine something, or Justine said to my wife, my sister-in-law Justine said to Jen, since you like Gerbera daisies, something. And Jen said, I don't like Gerbera daisies. She said, Justin buys them for you all the time. I said, this is news to me. (laughs) I don't know where that, I guess I I thought it went okay the first time, and I just thought, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's keep doing it, okay? But here's what I want you to see is just because I think she likes it does not mean that that's what she wants. And the same is true with God. In fact, the Bible tells us specifically how to praise the Lord. In fact, in the Old Testament, there's seven words for praise, and I'm going to move through this very quickly, but seven words that I think we need to understand if we are going to become a praising people the way that God has called us to be a praising people, and we need to be a praising people because praise paves the way into the purposes of God. And so if we cannot learn to praise, we will never move in to the promises of God, the the purposes that God has for us. And so I want to give you these Seven things quickly. These aren't my points this morning, okay? So I'm just moving quickly through these. The first Hebrew word for praise is halal. Can you say halal? Halal Halal means to rave, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. Halal is what you do when your team wins the game. It's That's when people, you know, run out into the streets. What are they doing? They are halaling. Okay, so that's the first Hebrew word for praise. The second is yada. Can you all say yada? Yada. Kind of like tada, but yada. Okay, it means to extend the hand, to raise the hand. It, It is as opposed to wringing the hands. So when your football team is, you know, kicking the field goal before they make it, you are wringing your hands. But then when they make it, you raise your hands. You yada, okay? And then there's also toda, which means to extend the hand in expectation, okay? I know this is a little technical, and some of you are like, why are we doing this? Here's what I'm doing. I'm setting some culture. 
I'm setting some uh, expectation because sometimes we think, well, that's just their thing. That's not my thing. I don't really praise God like someone else does. Well, everybody can praise God the way they feel and their heart is, but we also need to ask the question, what does God want us to bring? Okay? So he says, not just raising the hands like this, but you also raise the hands in expectation. The, the idea is there's something good that's coming, and so I'm raising my hands in expectation of what God is doing to me and for me. The next is Shabak. That means to shout, to address in a loud tone. Barak means to kneel down, to kneel down. That's what, uh, to, again, to use a sports illustration, in, in soccer, when a, when a player scores a goal, he oftentimes runs and jumps down onto his knees, pulls his shirt off. That's not in the list. Take your shirt off. It's not on the list. But kneeling down, kneeling down. And here's what I want you to see, that, that all of these things are oftentimes the most natural expression of celebration, of thanksgiving, of adoration, and these are the very things that God has put within people because He wants us to express that to Him. Barak, to kneel down. Zamar means to pluck the strings of an instrument or to clap. Can everybody clap? Okay, so that is... that. Bill, sorry to touch your uh, cajon. That is Zamar. Zamar. Zamar means to pluck like the strings of an instrument or to clap. And then the last is Tehillah. It means to hallel or to celebrate with a song. Okay, so these are the, the seven Hebrew words for praise. And here's the reason I want you to see that because I want us to understand the significance of praise and what God is looking for in our praise. We don't have to wonder, God, what do you want? We know, the Bible tells us, here's how he wants to be praised. Now, we may say, that's not my personality. I'm not comfortable with this. But here's what I want to say, uh, is the Bible again and again talks about the sacrifice of praise. In the book of Hebrews, it, it talks about the sacrifice of praise, that we enter with the sacrifice of praise. In other words, it's not what is just easy. How many of you know once you've already entered in, once the victory has already come, once the blessing has already come, once the, once the uh, breakthrough has already come, then it's easy to celebrate. But what God is saying is even before the victory comes, I want you to celebrate as if it's already happened. Amen? I want you to shout. I want you to dance. Now, this, I have to tell you, I know for some of you, you're feeling very uncomfortable right now, and I have to admit, I totally understand it. My worst nightmare in the world is having to dance in front of a group of people. <laughs> I have to tell you that. Uh, dancing is not my thing generally, but in front of a group of people, that is like horrible. But here's what I've recognized. On some occasions, Jen wants me to dance with her. And out of love for her, I do it. And this is, this is what God is saying. I want you to express your love for me through sacrificially giving to me the, the honor, the love, the, the celebration for what I have promised to give to you. You see, praise is not just the upbeat song or two that we sing at the beginning of the service. That's not what praise is. That may be a beginning of praise. That may be an expression of praise. But praise is not just, you know, a few songs while everybody kind of comes in from their coffee and makes it in from the parking lot. Praise is actually a spiritual necessity. Praise is the sacrifice in advance for what God is going to give to you afterwards. And if we say, I, I can't give praise, I'll, I'll say this, we also, if we can't give the sacrifice of praise, we can't worship because worship by its very nature is worth-ship. Worship is saying to God, you are worth this, but if I cannot express praise to God in the way that he's asking me to express praise to God, then I may be in a worship atmosphere, 
I may even have a worship experience, but I have not worshiped. And you'll never get the breakthrough in your life if you cannot learn to praise and worship. I, I want to lovingly press on this today. God wants us to be a praising people. God wants us to be a people that are not just limited by this is where I'm comfortable, but God wants us to be a people. And sometimes there is a moment where I need to be, I need to be this. But God is wanting us to be a people that we will say, God, I will praise you because you're worth it. I will praise you because you've been good. I will praise you, God, because you saved me. And if you didn't do anything else, you deserve it. You deserve it. This, this may be a stretch for us. But ultimately, God wants us to learn to be a people who praise. I went to, Jarrett was in a Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament recently, and I went, to the, I went to the tournament. And there was a lot of guys out on the mat in the tournament, and I was kind of feeling it. I never thought I'm a BJJ guy, but I was there. I kind of thought, I feel kind of tough right now. You know what I'm saying? I'm at a, I'm at a Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament. I'm, I'm feeling pretty tough. Now, how many of you know, being at a Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament may make me feel a little different, may give me a little inspiration, but how many of you know it actually does nothing for me? There's a big difference between me being in the environment and somebody else that is on the mat. And here's what I want you to see is that praise puts you on the mat. It puts you in the action. It puts you in the place where warfare is done and the blessings of God are received for your life. And so I want to lovingly push you out of your comfort zone a little bit. And here's why. Because you may not be facing a battle today, but there will be a day that will come that you will face a battle. And how many of you know, you don't wait until you're attacked to learn how to fight. If you're under attack, it's too late. You've got to train. You've got to prepare yourself. You've got to become a person of praise so that when all hell breaks loose against you, you don't crumble under the pressure of it. But you can stand in the face of opposition. You can stand in the face of difficulty and lift up a shout of praise because praise paves the way into the purpose of God. When you get the bad report from the doctor, you have to learn how to praise. When you're believing something for your children and in the natural, it does not look anything like what you're believing for. You've got to learn how to praise. When you're believing for a miracle in your life, you've got to learn how to praise because praise paves the way into the purpose of God. And so I want to give you a few things as we prepare to wrap up today, that praise does. If we will learn how to praise, there's a few things that praise will do. Number one, praise clears your soul. Praise clears your soul. Here's, here's what I mean by that. You are a spirit. You live in a body, but you have a soul. That's why the scripture says this, that we're to love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's your spirit, your inner self. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and your mind, and with all your strength. That's your body. So we're to love God with all of that. We have a spirit. We, uh, or we are a spirit. We live in a body, but we have a soul. Where are the blessings of God received in your life first? Ron, you said it earlier. Where does salvation come? Not from the outside, but from the inside, right? When you get saved, where do you get saved? Not in, not, your body has not been resurrected yet, right? You've not experienced the fullness of it. What part of you is saved? Your spirit is saved. Now, here's the problem. You can have your spirit saved and, and have a disconnect from your spirit to your body. The problems we face are oftentimes in our, in our body or in the physical world that we live in. And the issue is we've got to get the power of God from our spirit into our body into the natural world that we live in, but it's got to get through our soul to get there. And I don't know if you realize this, but life has a way of cluttering your soul. Life has a way of filling you with fear and anxiety and depression and uh, worry and, 
And, and, you know, some of you are feeling it even as I say it. It's like, yeah, that's a trigger right there. What is that? That's a cluttered soul. Now, God has given you the full victory in your spirit, and it will manifest in your body, but it's got to get through your soul. That means that you've got to get your soul in line with your spirit in order to get the victory from your spirit into your body or into the natural world that you live in. And the way that you clear your soul is through praise. That's why David said this, why are you so downcast, oh my, let's say that together, why are you so downcast, oh my soul, put your hope in God For yet I shall praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. My countenance, that's my face. What is David doing? David is talking to himself. You see, your soul is where your self-talk is. And David is saying, soul, come in line with the spirit that recognizes that God has already given me the fullness of salvation. And so he's saying, soul, wake up. Soul, stir up. Sometimes you've got to talk to your soul in order to wake up your soul in line with what God has given to you in your spirit. You know, oftentimes on a Sunday when we come together, it's, you know, sometimes we, we, we feel such a struggle or that can feel such a struggle to get into the presence of God. What is that? That's our soul, the things that are on our mind. And God wants us to clear the clutter of life through praise so that we can receive the fullness of God's blessing into the world that we live in. So number one, praise clears your soul. Number two, not only does praise clear your soul, but praise shifts the atmosphere. Praise shifts the atmosphere out of your heart, out of your, um, even out of your body, there's an atmosphere that is created. And I don't know if you realize this, but Victory has an atmosphere. Victory creates an atmosphere. And defeat has an atmosphere. It is, you know, sometimes we use the term energy in the world. You know, oftentimes people talk about good energy or bad energy. The Bible uses the term spirit. And that is the air that is not only within us, but it's the air that is around us. And Jesus said this, he quoted the prophet Isaiah when he came and began to preach the gospel. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news. And one of the aspects of the good news that Jesus was called to preach is to put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. A garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, most of us thought about what we were putting on our bodies today. But let me ask you the question. Did you think about what you're putting on your spirit? Did you think about, I'm going to put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Uh, Oftentimes we walk in to a room and there's an atmosphere, either a victorious, faith-filled atmosphere, or there's an atmosphere of defeat. Finn and I just went uh, a couple of months ago. We were in Italy and we had big uh, hopes of getting a ticket to a soccer game. It was a big soccer game in Milan when we were there, and we thought, we're going to get into this soccer game. Well, we didn't get into the soccer game, but we got in the atmosphere, (laughs) and there was an atmosphere around the soccer game. There was an atmosphere of celebration, And, and the same is true spiritually, that when we praise God, it shifts the atmosphere from an atmosphere of heaviness to an atmosphere of celebration. Who, who wants just more heaviness in your life? You just really want more burdens? No? Okay. Here's the answer. To put on the garment of praise, to celebrate. That's what we're doing when the worship team is, is leading us into praise. That's the reason we clap our hands. That's the reason we lift our hands. What are we doing? We're shifting the atmosphere. We're changing the atmosphere. We are releasing the victory of God into the realm that we live in, we are driving out the spirit of heaviness. I don't know about you, but I want to break the spirit of heaviness off of my life. I want to break uh, depression. I want to break fear off of my life. And some of you may 
live perpetually. Some of us, many people in the world around us, live perpetually under a cloud. And I think there's certainly value, of course, in um, counseling and there's value in therapy and all of those things. But let me tell you this, there's also value in declaring the goodness of God, in, in speaking the goodness of God over your home and over your family, over over your workplace. You can shift the atmosphere through praise. It lifts the atmosphere. Number three, not only does praise clear your soul, not only does praise shift the atmosphere, but praise also dispels the enemy. It dispels the enemy. I can only imagine what the people in Jericho were thinking when Israel began to celebrate and began to shout and began to, to blow the trumpet, the, the sound of victory, what were they thinking in Jericho when Israel began to celebrate on the outside of the wall? I think they probably began to think, I, they know something that we don't know. <laughs> they're celebrating as if they're already winning, right? And they were, what were they doing? They were firing a warning shot. They were letting them know there is victory that is coming. There's victory that is coming. And the Bible tells us again and again that praise dispels the enemy. Do you remember the story of David going before Saul? And Saul was bound by a spirit, a distressing spirit. And they called for a musician. They called for David. And he began to play the harp. And he began to praise, he began to worship. And the Bible says that whenever David played the harp, that the distressing spirit would depart from Saul. In other words, when praise went up, when there was a, a release of the, the, the music and the sound of praise, the enemy would flee. And I believe that God wants us to be people that learn how to wage warfare against the enemy through Praise and worship. I believe even as we go into Lee Road, I believe God wants us to be people that don't just live on the defense, but we go on the offense. That we are lifting up praise to dispel the enemy. That we dispel demonic forces. That we dispel every um, bondage and stronghold that the enemy would try to set up over that area, over our lives, over our homes as well. And praise dispels the enemy. It sends the enemy running. Lastly, worship team, you guys can come back up. The last thing I want you to see is that praise not only clears our soul, not only does it shift the atmosphere, not only does it dispel the enemy, but praise releases God's power. Praise releases God's power. I want to ask you if you would just to stand up. Just to stretch your legs for a minute, and we're gonna, I'm going to land the plane here. But praise releases God's power. You see, God had already promised to Israel, I'm going to give you this land. I've given you this land. I've given you this land. But they couldn't take it in their own strength. They needed the power of God to come. They needed God's power to be released in their lives on their behalf. And the Bible says that it was when they lifted up a shout of praise, when they began to sing, worship team, you guys can begin to play. As they began to sound the trumpet, here's what the Bible says, that the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. How did the wall fall, fall down flat? The power of God was released. When was the power of God released? When they shouted. When they blew the trumpet. God had infinite power. He is omnipotent. But God said, in order to release my power, I want you to do what you can't do or what you can do in order to release the power to do what you cannot do. 
And when they shouted, when they lifted up their voices, when they stirred themselves, the walls came tumbling down. I don't know if you remember the story of Paul and Silas in prison in Acts chapter 16. The Bible says at midnight, Paul and Silas began to sing. They were in prison. They were in an impossible situation, impossible circumstances. And the Bible says at that moment, they began to sing. They began to praise the Lord. They began to just express out of their hearts how good and how great God was. And the Bible says that as they sang, as they, as they, they, they praised God, that the place was shaken and that the cell, the, the, the door of the cell was opened up and every prisoner was set free. It shifted the atmosphere. It, it shifted the circumstances. That's the power of praise in our lives. And I want to tell you today that if you are facing an impossible situation, praise releases the power of God to do what you cannot do. Praise releases the salvation of God. Praise releases the healing of God. Praise releases the joy of God. So let me ask you this. There may be one thing, or what would be the one thing that you think the enemy does not want you to do in your life? Could it be that the enemy does not want you to praise? The enemy does not want you to praise. I knew even coming into today, I knew this is Memorial Day weekend. People are gone. I knew this is kind of, this is not the Sunday that feels real celebratory in the natural. But I believe that God wants us as a church to learn how to celebrate, to learn how to praise God. So can we do this? Can we just take a few seconds and let's stir ourselves. I know some of you, I'm pushing you out of your comfort zone a little bit. I'm going to make this very easy. Consider, consider me your praise trainer today. Here's how you lift up your hands. You just lift them up like this. Somewhere around here, you're going you're gonna to feel a slight uh, pinch in your soul, and you're just going to push right through that, okay? Can you push right through that? Just push those up. You felt that in your soul? Who's feeling it in your soul? In your soul? Now, praise is also good for your body, too, so there is a double benefit, all right? So, so we've got our hands raised. Now, let's just begin to open up our mouths. And I know some of us may feel like, I don't know what to say. Well, you could just say Jesus. You can say hallelujah. You can say praise the Lord. But I'm just going to lovingly press us a little bit. Father, we thank you, Jesus, Lord, that you are bringing us into a wonderful place. God, I thank you, Lord, that you are raising us up to be a people of praise. And Lord, we thank you today for the breakthrough. We thank you today for the blessing. Father, we thank you, God, for everything that you have purchased upon the cross through the blood of Jesus. And Lord, we pray today that there would be a manifestation of your power. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be people that learn to bring the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips giving thanks, the fruit of our lips bringing adoration. Let's just continue to praise as the worship team leads us. Thank you, Lord.